podcast. We're here today with Dina and Jane from Little Feather Collective. Yes, yes. I got it right. <laughs> you Thank you so much for coming today, guys. Um, maybe you can introduce yourself and what you guys are all about. Sure. Go ahead. Thank you. I, I'm Jane, Jane Rushworth. Hi. I'm a doula here in Dubai, I'm also childbirth educator. Um, I suppose that my thing is more postnatal, so I like to support women postnatally with their breastfeeding journey if they have any issues, um, and uh, provide care, sort of wraparound care for, for women when they've come out of hospital and they've just had their baby here. Nice. Dina? Uh, my name is Dina Gandur, and I'm also a doula with Little Feather Collective, but um, uh, mainly teaching yoga at the, morning, uh, at the moment, uh, prenatal yoga, regular yoga, meditation, relaxation, all those great things. Thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons that we wanted to have you guys on is obviously to talk about, about what it is to be a doula and what, what does a child care educator mean? Sorry, a did I say that right? Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay, I mean, they, we have different titles for... So in the UK, I probably would call myself antenatal educator, antenatal mm-hmm. teacher. Here, the antenatal word is not so batted about. Mm-hmm. We could say prenatal, prenatal educator, childbirth educator, I think mm-hmm. is probably a little bit more global. What, is, what does that mean when you're an educator of An sort? educator of childbirth um, in all its glory. So uh, when a woman um, finds out she's pregnant, so she will almost undoubtedly start pressing Google and find out everything that she feels like she needs <laughs> to know in those early days. Um, we offer childbirth classes, or I've offered uh, classes over the years to support her and her partner, if, if, um, uh, if she wants, to just find out and explore all the avenues of, for choice um, leading up to her birth. I would say. So it's about finding out what information is out there, what she needs to know, what she thinks she doesn't know yet. So what information does she need to know? Oh, well, (laughs) they all say, I don't know what I don't know yet. I don't know what I need to know. Tell me everything. Because I would always start my classes with kind of a bit of an agenda setting, asking, come on, guys, so why why are you here? Why do you want to be here? Um, And they say, well, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Um... We have come so far removed from women supporting other women in their family setups, in their village setups, um, where other women would have just supported and told mm-hmm. other women that would have what been it was like. Down yeah, in some in exactly. some way at some yes. point. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think when I started um, becoming interested in becoming a doula, I was actually pretty shocked at how much as a woman I just didn't know about my own body and how it works and you know at some point not all of us but some of us might decide to go on that journey and to not know anything is is really shocking like at one point at what point did we just decide we were we weren't going to tell anybody anything (laughs) it's a big secret secret. (laughs) it's true but it's It's so really true it's it's natural it's normal it's physiological 
why aren't we why don't we all know this well I suppose there are different reasons why we don't know it or why women don't know it it's because we now live so very differently Mm. so even over the decades you know I've been teaching classes for almost 20 years I started training when I was pregnant with my second son Harvey and he's now 20 so about that time and my eldest is 21 Um, I went to classes you know I didn't you know, I didn't ask my mum, my sister, or, you know, those mm. connect... Uh, oh, you know, tell me about it. They live in different places. But I suppose the world is now... We all... It's very disparate. We live yeah, so true. unconnected to our family and our... Well, I don't know. Maybe close friends do share the secrets. Maybe they don't. Maybe they think it's like mm. you have to find out for yourself because it's a right I had to, to do it. You <laughs> have to do it. Yeah. Well, it's different I, I here, isn't it? Because when you move to Dubai, you don't have well, a backbone. Yeah, fam- that's like exactly. I was going to say that. Yeah, definitely. It's. A, I was going to say it's a bit like living in London, actually. That. Um, so we we don't live very close to our parents. Yeah. Um, or family, friends. Yeah. And how long does it take you to build a yeah. circle of people that you can trust that deep? If you move to any yeah. city, not just exactly. like... Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's true. And you might be in a circle of people that you really love, but they might not share the same value. Like at that moment in time, they're the right people that you want to be around, but they might not share deeply the same values as you or the same outlook or the same perspective. So, so. childbirth classes can be a great opportunity for um, a group of couples or singles to come together and in a safe place, not feel like they're foolish by asking any, you know, this, am I going to ask a stupid question? Um, mm-hmm. And they can share that with, with each other because you can sure as damn it know that everybody who's sitting in that circle is wanting to hear the answer to that question or even ask that same stupid question. So, so is that what a doula is, the person who mm. leads that class? Not necessarily. So you could be a childbirth educator without being a doula, I think. Yeah, you could... But part of the role of a doula is to make sure that you are including childbirth education in your sessions with um, your, you know, the parents or your client or whoever you're working with. Um, So, like, it's a one-on-one relationship that you have that, you you know, you, you hire a doula on for this certain period of time. And what's included in that is usually two prenatal or antenatal sessions, and those are where you can come in and do all the education parts. So to answer your question, you know, you're talking about, okay, so, you know, here's how your body changes during your pregnancy. Here's how your body um, progresses and the process of uh, your birth. And um, here are all the different options that you might want to think about. Um, You know, have you thought about what you want your experience to look like, feel like, include, um, you know, who do you want to be there? And these women may not have even considered this yet. Yes. So these are like, oh, blimey, have I got to think about Mm -hmm. this now who do I want there is there a choice Mm -hmm. do we have choices yeah or and oh I didn't know my body did that or I didn't under I didn't realize that if I did that that would impact all the different hormones happening in my body that are trying to you know do this one thing you know bring a baby out into the world so part of that is the education um part of that then is being at the birth if they choose to have you there which usually after building that very you know intimate relationship they do kind of want you there to support them uh through you know massage through um, relaxation techniques helping them with movement positioning um and then being there afterward as well so it's about like two sessions before being present for the birth and then two visits afterward which Jane was kind of talking about earlier, making sure that they're, you know, healing okay, that the feeding's going okay, sleeping's going okay, um, mental health, 
the relationship of the couple, the, ra- the relationship of the new dynamic of having a new human being into the mix, and you know, it can really go. And any, I think the in any direction. Uh, the so, as a doula, we w- we might only offer a couple of classes. Yeah. Um, if we're running antenatal sessions, that's differently. So we might offer four or five sessions that people could come along to. But as a doula, mm-hmm. a couple of sessions. But the relationship that is building over that time mm-hmm. is the most important thing, isn't it? So even though you might only pop and see them at their home for those two, three-hour sessions or something, the communication that we, uh, we keep going with the couple or the mother is really important over those those yeah, weeks absolutely. and months and months because for the the trust element mm-hmm. is really really important yeah. for women for mm. for alleviating fear yeah just having you guys there in I'm the sure birth is room a big help yeah. just to know exactly. if there is a number yeah. you can call if things are yeah. going on. how did you two get into that what was what was it that steered you both down that route <laughs> well for me it was probably um a natural progression after having my first children so back in the UK and I was steering out of my current career and probably just moving into something different so and I think because I had a great experience myself and had great um yeah so I had great experience of meeting other people through antenatal sessions and um and good birth experience so I think did you Mm. have a home birth uh not with my first Mm. so my eldest son Charlie was born in the Chelsea and Westminster in London and then the other two were, were both born at home yeah um tell me what uh, what's a home birth like <coughs> so um it's it, I mean it's it's I was gonna say it's pretty much the same as having your baby in hospital but it's I think the difference about having your baby at home would be that it's your space so you govern what goes on in your space and when a woman's having her baby in hospital, we always talk about environment and how important environment is. Mm-hmm. And the trust and the safety aspect is really mm-hmm. important. So we're always talking about raising the oxytocin in the room and how we can do that. The oxytocin is the big, beautiful hormone that makes the uterus contract and makes labor progress. Adrenaline is the antagonist of ox- oxytocin. So we, we try and need to keep the adrenaline at bay in the room so we Mm. keep the fear out of the room and always try to increase the oxytocin so imagine if you're in your home space your own environment where you can do whatever you like you don't need to ask permission from the midwives that are there that are supporting you Um, there aren't random people walking mm. in and out there isn't like a beeping but of course thing and hospitals are not exactly i was gonna say the lights hospitals are not conducive to making you feel chilled yeah true and we we talk about this a lot so because here in dubai there isn't an opportunity to have a home birth so Mm. it's uh, women mm. have to have their babies in in mm-hmm. hospital, so we talk about that transition from being at home. So the environment at home, which you know you can dim the lights, you can have the best music on for you, you can eat what you like, you can walk around, mm-hmm. you can get in and out of the bath, wear you your can, own clothes, yeah. bring your own pillow, all those you know. smells, the mm. you know those those triggers which are really important. Uh, And then we're saying, so at some time, you're going to have to make this decision to move to hospital. When is that going to be? And actually, the guys are always saying, right, when when do we go? Uh At what exact point? You know, how many hours in labor? Exact point. So how many (laughs) centimeters dilated can she be? And I'm like, well, how are you? uh, How on earth are you going to know that? You're never going to know that. You have to take... um, 
you know, you have to take the lead from her when she's ready to go. She will let you know when she's ready. But let's not rush it. If you know, if she's not ready to go yet, let's yeah. keep all the lovely oxytocin making stuff going on at home while you can. But of course, they've got to maybe navigate the Shakeside Road at six o'clock in the <laughs> evening yeah. or, or get there in the back of a taxi or in a car that he's maybe now driving a little erratically. So that that is going to increase some adrenaline, don't you think? And mm. maybe, uh, you know, put a dampener on some of the oxytocin that has been created mm-hmm. earlier on. And then she'll then enter the hospital where, you're right, bright lights, beeping machines, people asking her questions are going to have an impact, perhaps, on her, on her dilating cervix. Yeah, That's especially, I think, so I spent a lot of time in hospital, and the one thing that I found being there is that you, there's, people don't tell you what they're doing to you, they're just doing a whole load of stuff to mm-hmm. you. And it's, it's very hard when you're in your own space to step out of that and be like, what's happening? Oh my God, no, I have to, what is this? Do I want this? What are you putting in my body? What is this tube for? What is it? Do I Definitely. need it? Is yeah. it important? Yes. Um, well, and then having that, what were you going to say? I was going to say, Dina, yeah, come on. Oh yeah, I mean, about that's, we talk choice. about that all the time and it's, we actually call it like informed consent where it's like, I'm going to inform you that I'm going to do this certain procedure and you must tell me yes or no, you know, which is, you know, we're sort of moving away from being, you know, this sort of like bystander and allowing things, like nice and yeah, oh yeah, nice allowing things to kind of happen to us without not knowing and it's really important that hey okay I'm going to be educated about what this procedure is and I'm going to make a decision by myself or with my partner about whether or not it's what I want for myself and my body you know obviously if it's a risky situation then yes maybe at that point you're gonna have to trust the person in the room that's you know the authority and that's the medical professional but um, otherwise you know you are allowed to say yes or no you know and that's why the education is so important yeah, because is. the knowledge I is agree. the power yeah. you know when you're like actually you know I, I read and I know because statistics have shown and you know I've been signposted uh, to evidence-based research from my doula um, that this actually you know isn't really necessary or actually this might hinder um, the amazing like physiological process that's happening with my body so so yeah. I, it, we like to think that um, that we don't just say oh yeah we've got some great ideas about how birth should go and that's how our opinion and how, how we feel mm-hmm. it all should go and everybody should have this this kind of birth experience but what I think we are really passionate about is is women absolutely understanding um, the message that they're receiving from other health professionals Mm -hmm. and really processing the information that they're being given Mm -hmm. because we know sometimes that the information that women are given isn't correct we Mm -hmm. know it's or very biased or it's biased or Mm -hmm. it's or it's not up to date yeah that's the difference towards Well, well I, I can't speak for you guys, but I know yeah. when I was there, it's always it was biased for me in one regard to like doing a procedure or to surgery or to something right, along okay. those lines. That's what it was like for mm. me. Not a birth surgery, but I'm talking about... Yeah. So like the medical things. machine has its way yeah. of doing things and it yeah. wants you to slide I think, in. Yeah, and I think it's, it is difficult here because um, the care pathway for maternity care mm. is consultant-led. So um, in the UK in Canada, in Australia, in lots of other um, countries, it's they have amazing maternity provision led by midwives who understand the, physio- the physiology of, of birth, of, of normal birth. Um, so for, for 
the person like me who's going to be driving the car down Shakespeare Road yeah. has no idea about yeah. what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? So a midwife is medically trained. Okay. So we're not medically trained. Okay. So and we do we make that quite clear. Yeah. Um, we're well educated in in the anatomy and physiology, and and medical procedures. Some medical. Mm-hmm. But we're not medically trained. So we would never get involved in that process or give advice in one particular direction. Yeah. No, we keep handing the sort of baton back to the couple and saying, you know, well, this is this is the deal. This is these are the options. Now you go. You have to you, make the choices. Make yeah. Discuss it with yeah. your medical provider or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Should and I actually, a mentor advisor. Yeah. yeah. Well, even we say we don't advise, actually. Right. So even that word is yeah, a little true. ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is how I see it in my mind. Yeah. Maybe you can correct me if it's wrong. But it's like a doula would be somebody there to support you, to help you understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. It's right? like a maid. Yes. It's like your yes. maid of honor, yeah. but like for your birth. <laughs> like my first, my first doula client told that. me that, <laughs> and it just stuck with really? me because it's so true. Yeah. Because we're kind of just there in the sidelines, being like, "You want purple flowers, girl? Like you go. Like yeah. you want a pink dress? Okay. Yeah. You know, well, actually, you know, studies say pink dresses aren't so good. So let's go back to the. You know, maybe you want to think about going back to a different color. <laughs> yeah. But we're we're that kind of person. It's like, hey, how can we empower you to remember? your connection to your body to remember you know the power that you have within you and to be able to go forward and make those decisions and those choices either as an individual or as a couple feeling confident and feeling prepared Mm. and feeling loved and feeling supported and feeling like you have options and just all those but I think also it's great for the supporting partner Mm -hmm. so for uh for the guys um (laughs) it's it is so true it's true, isn't it? It's yeah. great for the guys because they then can find their voice in the birth room. Because it's true, and we may be an advocate, but we're not a voice. We can't challenge the health professionals That's true. in the birthing room. Um, but the guys can ask questions of the health professionals and ask, mm. what, you know, can you just repeat? Can you just yeah. explain that again to me? Can you make me understand Mm-hmm. Uh, a little better why this procedure might be necessary or why we might have to move things on with some artificial oxytocin or you know this kind of thing and one of the things that we always say is like well if you can uh, ask ask your health professional be confident in asking questions so but we know how difficult that is don't you think it's oh my god it's so hard mm-hmm. it's true like, i i've told this story so many times i'm sorry <laughs> but i've had i remember being in hospital and having this moment where this surgeon was like oh we're gonna now go in and fuse your pubic bone and i was like what and i think i'd been in hospital like five weeks at the time i was so drugged out and i was like nah <laughs> like this is nothing <laughs> and he was so shocked like so shocked that I said no. Mm. And then he came back like literally an hour later with two more people and then three more people to try and convince me. And look, in hindsight, he might have been right. I might have totally been wrong. But that was my, like, I'm going to sway here. That was my choice to make like I made it and I'm fine with that. I think I made the right choice for me, even though I think I think there was very, very valid reasons for them wanting to make that choice. And I think if if I look at it very logically, I think he was right to a degree, but it just wasn't right for me 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. But and you understood the process. Yeah, but I have a medical degree. So you <laughs> so knew it was different. what that meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was it was. So I'm different. sitting here now going, oh, really? You didn't want to have that done? No. But I don't know anything I, about fusing yeah, exactly. of... Yeah, Pubic but so. so the difference was is that I had studied. So I have a, a bachelor of medical science, not a medical degree. So mm. just to correct there, mm. and I had learnt enough about the human body to go. Well, actually, I know this is really important for the symmetry of the pubic bone, blah blah blah. But it wasn't what I wanted to do. I feel like I need to find out more about that now. I'm fascinated. <laughs> we yeah. go. We talk about this way too much. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Sorry do it. No, I'm fascinated. Um, so do it. it's when, all important, isn't it? It's like definitely. It's, you got to bring it to the table. Uh, when I had my accident, basically, I smashed this side of my pelvis and my pubic bone snapped off and my ilium so all of it moved up here and when they reattached my pubic bone they put a rod through it and attached the pubic rami so the superior pubic rami and then it fused on its own they eventually took it was like a big pole it was like that big um they took it out after because it was causing me like excruciating pain and there's a little bit of asymmetry i'm just going to put the microphone down but um, on either side and what they had suggested was to actually put a plate in the pubic symphysis and to fuse the right side and the left mm-hmm. side the whole thing so to remove the um, so one cartilage. side was harder than the other yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so to remove the cartilage and to fuse mm. the whole the whole thing and to put a mm. plate and then he said like in a year's time you could get that removed blah 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 when I heard that I was like no <laughs> <laughs> and um, we had a huge, uh, like a really big battle uh, there because there was a lot of medical professionals that were not supporting my decision to say no to this. And um, at the time it was like my husband was kind of like, you do, you do what you want. Like you do, like it's fine, um, whatever you decide. But he, he didn't know. And then everybody else in this medical machine like it is a big medical Mm -hmm. machine was like you need to do this you need eventually they gave up because i was very stubborn and um i got my way yeah so stubborn (laughs) (laughs) and i got my way and i didn't i didn't have it fused um and it's now i can tell you he was right because it's a little bit out of alignment but I'm okay with that because I didn't want to have that mm-hmm. type of surgery. Mm. I did not want to have my whole pubic bone fused. Yeah. Yeah. And all even now, like, when, when I get to these decisions again about doing crazy things like that, it's like, no, actually, I'm going to choose yeah. a different route. But what I think is really interesting about what you guys are saying mm. is the difference is that I was educated in what that really meant to do that. And because of that reason, I could make – I was so heavily drugged, but I could make a semi-conscious mm. decision yeah. about what yeah. was right for me. Mm-hmm. And I know a hundred percent, oops, um, that there was, he was very valid and he was right about the symmetry and about all of the points he was making a hundred percent, but it was not the right decision for me. And I like, I am happy that I didn't do that. Mm. Um, I don't know mm. what I would be like now whether I'd be better or worse but either way what I do know is I remember watching this documentary I can't remember what it's called but it has who's that really famous talk show host Ricky mm, yeah the business of being born the business of that being changed born. my life me oh, too yes. that Ricky is Lake. yes Ricky yeah. Lake. phenomenal yeah. oh my gosh there's a moment yeah. in that and documentary. chilling and yeah. terrifying yeah. in yeah. equal parts mm. there's a moment in that documentary where she talks about women like 
the right to choose things is taken away from them. And I felt so much of that when I was in hospital Mm. too, that you don't have a voice as a patient and that people just do things to you and they do things to you. And you have to be so strong to stand up to that medical machine. And then if you've got someone on your back that's like, no, I'm here for Mm -hmm. you. I'm next to you. We're doing this together. Like you're good. Whatever decision you make, I think it would make all the difference um, that's just my two cents on the topic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's that documentary about? It's amazing. You need to watch this. It's, it's very much like U.S. focused in the sense that, you know, birth has become very um, business oriented in how the hospitals make money by giving, you know, how many, how much like of the dosage of drugs that they give, um, you know, scheduling uh, C-sections for, because women are living a really high-paced, uh, you know, work-centric in, like, lives. Um, and just how, yeah, hospitals and doctors, actually some doctors <laughs> even get, like, kickbacks from, like, you know, offering certain advice or giving certain drugs and that kind of thing. And just how the industry has become very much a business, whereas really you, you know, can go at home, you know, into your room and do it yourself without mm. anybody. I mean, if everything is okay and there mm-hmm. are no risks, et cetera, et cetera. But um, how it's very much like, no, you know, you need to come into the hospital and, you know, we need, we need to give you these things and you need to have this procedure. So this is, this is, this is going back to what we said earlier about not having that information coming, filtering through from our mothers and sisters and grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, generations of women that are passing down their knowledge um yeah so that is just yeah. in, in installing fear instilling fear Absolutely. into women's that little bit of part of their brain where they might say yeah but what if yeah. you know so women aren't believing that they're physiologically made capable, capable mm-hmm. to do this and i think the whole point is though that if if a woman does choose to go have a c-section that it's her choice and it's because she's had an edu- educated choice Absolutely. and Absolutely. an educated yeah. decision yeah. to do that yeah but that both options are available yes. like all you the have options, options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you can Absolutely. do whatever you want to do like if you want to like do surgery you want to schedule it in because you've got shit to do amazing that's great absolutely like like more power to you but that it's your choice um i think it's just the idea that at some point we've just been removed from the process and we forgot that we you know have a connection to our own physical bodies and we now no longer trust our own decision even if it means having a c-section or having an epidural or taking all the drugs that you ever wanted in your life Mm -hmm. it's just like oh well this person knows i don't know Mm -hmm. so therefore i trust this person to tell me what to do and i think it's just reminding people well hey actually like you can trust yourself and your decisions in the same way that you did with your with the decision not to go through that surgery and and then so then what so what does that decision look like how do you want to go forward from that space i think also at, at some point in that decision-making process, women aren't given all the information. Mm, that's that's the true. thing. Mm-hmm. And so when women are told that they're having a big baby, so they might have a scan. That Dubai is great for scanning women during their pregnancy, throughout their pregnancy, um, probably more than anywhere I've ever known. At every appointment, a woman would have a scan here. And therefore, that, that can sometimes bring up um, mm-hmm. other factors late on during the pregnancy. So we, we hear often that the baby is too big. So the baby is too big, therefore the woman would need to have her needed to, uh, to 
deliver, give birth to her baby via cesarean section. Or but, be induced early before it grew any bigger yes, or that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, and, and it's just not always the, the, the whole picture. That's what we're saying. So sometimes, yes, this is absolutely necessary. Mm. We know this. But the cesarean, rec- se- sorry, the cesarean section rate in the UAE is 64%. 60-something wow. percent. Mm. I mean, that's huge, what's isn't it? it? In I don't a, what's it everywhere else? Roughly. You're looking around like 20 to 30 oh, yeah. okay. percent. Yeah. So the and in so I've, I've read in yes. the, what is mm. it called? It's not the United Nations. Maybe it's a World Health Organization. World Health mm. Organization they, is. Yeah, they say that it's only necessary in 5 to 10 percent. Yeah, yes. 10 percent. Is what the number should look yeah, like, should yes. be like yeah. for like emergency cases. Emergency cases, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's a woman in the U.S. that um, called Ina May Gaskin, which we read a, a lot of her literature when we were learning about becoming, you know, childbirth educators and mm. doulas, and she's built this like it's called the farm and it's basically women can come and give birth there and her rate is something like two percent and she's like you know the whole point is like if you're if women are given education if they're given choices if they're put in the right environment you know the lights are low uh they're feeling safe there there's no fear the adrenaline's low Mm -hmm. the oxytocin is high if all these factors are in place then actually the rate should be like that potentially like that low is so it's she has her own but her i mean when she was um she was part of the fabulous, you know, hippie convoys yes. that were in the 60s. She would, like, drive caravans, caravans around the U.S. You know. and, like, birth people across America. I love her. Well, they had a community. So yeah. they had the, their community. And so within the community, she was the woman that assisted mm-hmm. or helped women birth their own babies. So, yeah. And even then, so she did, she ne- I mean, I've heard her speak a couple of times of mm-hmm. you. And she she never says, you know, we, we don't not go to doctors we don't seek out we don't not seek out medical intervention if we don't need it but um the necessity was only ever you know about yeah two or three percent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if i'm I'm the 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 Mm. meathead driving the car down side road yeah once again why do we need to avoid a c-section and have a natural birth why what's what's going on there treat me i mean i I can guess okay. a couple of things, but if I don't know anything, mm-hmm. why? What's the big issue? I suppose, well, it's abdom- abdominal surgery, for one. Um, Cutting through, like, all seven layers, which just takes a lot more time to heal. To heal. So the recovery would be longer. Um, the process would be quicker, I suppose. And um, in emergency situations, of course, it's absolutely necessary. Like pre-epiclampsia. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there would be all sorts of... Yeah, mm-hmm. reasons why it might be necessary for because of the mother's health or the baby's health. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could talk about the physiological process of birthing a baby for for a woman and what that means to her. So that uh, that feeling of empowerment and ownership on her body about it, what it's mm-hmm. uh, able to do. We could also talk about the impact that it has on the baby. So as the baby. Uh, finds its way navigating through the pelvis and through the birth canal. Um, the baby is then has a little bit more of adrenaline, good adrenaline at this time, um, in its system, and it, it's ready for its first sort of survival of life, you know, mm-hmm. ready to, to live. And that passage through the birth canal, 
Oh, we could start talking about the microbiome now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. Absolutely. There's something that, that to be said about it, you know, going through, through the birth the canal and being, you know, covered in all of the amazing, like, bacteria and the flora. Yeah. Um, the, 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 you know, that sensation of being kind of, like, squeezed out means all of the fluid gets pushed, you know, out, uh, excess fluid from, like, lungs Comes gets out of put, lungs. pushed out. So there's a, there's a bene- benefits to the baby from, for that, yeah. What, um, and as the baby is reaching the mother's pelvic, uh, pel- yeah, pelvic floor that then sends messages to the brain which then sends messages to the breasts to say the baby is now coming so the breast needs to start the prolactin goes and mm-hmm. starts making milk so it's like that whole process mm-hmm. you know that whole kind of and that's um, another thing that sometimes not always but sometimes when having a c-section you might uh your milk might take a little bit more time to come in which means if you wanted to exclusively breastfeed which again is a is a complete you know, choice um, that you might have to, you know, wait a couple of days or s- use formula for a few days until your milk came in, that kind of thing. Um, I think the whole the whole conversation regarding um, women having a cesarean birth or a physiological um, delivery, it, I mean, it's just so complex now. Yeah. That's the thing because it lots is. of other factors come into play and it's, we you know, we can't sit here and mm-hmm. say this is better or... Um, this way is the right way this is the wrong way it no. isn't yeah. but I think what we do have to look at is the stats mm-hmm. and say right so it, to, to look globally and look at the statistics and say from an evolutionary process what is going on here mm-hmm. if, yeah. is, is it going to be okay for 60% of the world to be born via cesarean section mm-hmm. you know I, I have a feeling though that this age we are going through a surgery craze in mm. this last like as soon as anesthesia came along and we can now have surgery quickly and safely without safely. any pain yes. so, I think it's yeah. a surgery yeah. Yeah, craze yeah, I think that's going to taper yeah. when people start to realise yeah. that actually this physical body there's just something else there that's mm. very intelligent Ooh. that I can't put my finger on it, but what we do to it when we cut it open like that, something goes on and we disrupt stuff that at this present moment, I don't think mm. science is there and science mm-hmm. understands that. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that's my feeling about in, that. I mean, in other countries, the, the cesarean section rate is much higher than that. I yeah. mean, in the UK, in parts of the UK, it's over 30% in parts of London and inner <laughs> cities. And that might be to do with maternal mm. age or you know mm. all sorts of other some places I are as high as like 80%. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean in Brazil it's I re- huge. I remember um, watching this documentary though about this woman that was giving birth in the UK and here predominantly when uh, babies are breached they c-section them and in the UK they manually turn mm-hmm. yeah ETV it's called external so did yeah. you see the video where they actually they, turned the baby yeah they mm-hmm. massaged it out yeah it's <laughs> crazy and so amazing. consultants that would that would be performed by a consultant so mm-hmm. an obstetrician who has that skill mm-hmm. to do that so obstetricians are maybe being maybe they're unskilled they don't have the skill or they're being de-skilled so they don't do it enough any longer mm. to continue that skill. So they can't. They can't do it any longer. Yeah. So they can't do it safely. Yeah. yeah. Exactly so their their yeah. advice so would be to have a C-section because they don't feel confident enough they with any other option that. at yeah, that I point. Suppose. So yeah. you know we have to understand that that perspective is like actually for them this is the safest. Like this is the procedure that they're the most comfortable with. You know. Um, yeah. I was just gonna go back to your um, what you said about pain about perception the pain thing mm. and I I had a an interesting conversation re- recently with my dentist about pain and 
I was going to have some root canal treatment done and I'm like sitting in the chair saying yeah I'm probably good I probably don't need to have any anesthetic because I'm I have really good like coping <laughs> mechanisms and <laughs> and you know what's coming don't you and uh and I've got re- I can do really good deep breathing which I can right I can do this and previous I've had teeth out before and I've you know whatever <laughs> how wrong was I and so but then what we we started doing was then talking about about because every time she came near me I flinched mm. and she's like Jane it's going to be fine I'll promise this is, this bit isn't going to hurt I promise you and you know I don't know if any of you've had root canal treatment and what that really feels like so you are and the the lovely dental nurse was stroking my hand and massaging my hands and I was thinking this is a bit like being a doula mm. she's trying really making me mopping my brow a little bit and doing that, <laughs> that kind of thing and then we had this conversation about pain mm. and then about what our perception of pain and mm-hmm. our, our receptors to pain so mm the emotional and physiological receptors to pain mm-hmm. and how in some people is that different yeah, to, yeah, to others yeah i think also that this day and age don't laugh there <laughs> i think that we are very much afraid of pain so much we are afraid to feel it we're afraid that it is like it's just a natural part of life like mm-hmm. joy is like we have to feel some some form of pain and i think these days we're very afraid of it well um, i think and so we steer away from it and for mm-hmm. birth sorry to yes to, i think that is the biggest thing women are like i'm i don't want to feel any pain mm-hmm. like this is i don't want to go there well we're, we're used to being given something to take it away mm-hmm. at any point in time we know that we don't have to deal with it like oh like i have period cramps i'm going to take these pills or like oh like my foot hurts i'm going to do this so you're you're absolutely right like we're used to it being a thing that we you know the people say oh well let's like help alleviate that pain let's take that pain away and so we don't yeah, our experience now is that we don't have really access to it. So we, we don't even know what our threshold is. And, you know, come to birthday, um, how, you know, people who are like, oh, you know, I'd love to have a natural birth. It's like, well, okay, but how can you start to, you know, re-educate yourself and your body? And what tools do you have that you can use? Because, hey, guess what? Like, you're going to feel something that's different to what you've ever felt ever before. before. That's mm-hmm. so true. Yeah, that is so true. But we know that, um, so for birth, Mm-hmm. The pain or the contraction, so the pain, lots of birth workers don't like to use the word pain, but the pain that women experience is, it's not an indication that something is amiss. So usually pain is, an, is a factor that's telling us there's something up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But in, in childbirth, that's not the case. So uh, the pain that women feel at the very beginning is different so when they they start their early contractions it's very different to what they feel towards the end of their contractions and those, so that's an indicator mm-hmm. of how probably how um mm-hmm. how far along in in labor a woman is i have a question to ask you i hope it's not too personal you said that you had two births one was at home what was that like like what was the process when you were giving birth did you have did you take any medication? What was, because we're talking about pain now. What was that, like that pain process or that process in general? Maybe not pain. See, the amazing thing about having babies is that you really do forget what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> that annoying. And I think part of my, edu- part of my childbirth education profession, um, uh, we have, uh, we were always kind of taught never to really talk about our own experiences because they never really have an impact on what other people go through. So that's so true, you know. Mm. But I have to share with you on on 
um, each occasion of having so three births, all very different. So the first one was very quick, and when I arrived in hospital, I was absolutely screaming for an epidural. And my husband was saying, "Yeah, but you said, you know, that smug. You said you didn't want any pain relief." And I'm like, "Get me the epidural." <laughs> and then I think I'm going to push. And I'm, actually, I was I was too far advanced. So it was a really quick birth, first birth, which was would say probably be more unusual. Um, so um, so actually, I had a really amazing. German midwife called Ingrid so you never forget your midwives you never forget the, the people, the, the people who were there mm. and the things that they said uh, at the, that time and she was so amazing and I just remember her saying right let's turn over let's get into a different position you might be comfortable she hadn't even got time to put change she was in her jeans <laughs> um and so so that was a specific and then afterwards I felt absolutely incredible because he was you know I felt amazing you know that a huge endorphin and hormonal rush afterwards was just incredible. So you didn't have an epidural for the first no, one? No, there was no time. Oh. So the, I remember the anaesthetist coming and saying, you're, you're, ten cent, you know, you're fully dilated, so there's just no time for this. Mm-hmm. And I do remember feeling disappointed that I couldn't get the pain <laughs> relief that I needed at the time. But once she started supporting me in a, in a real true fashion, I felt okay and I felt safe again. And then my second baby, Harvey, was born at home and he was in a posterior lie, so back to back. So the baby has to enter the pelvis a different way and it takes a longer time to get rotate through the pelvis. So women often um, report of backache labor at that point. And he was just long and slow and I just went on and on and on and on and on. But also another amazing midwife there who was there massaging my back. So that real cranial um, sacrum, sorry, mm. not cranial, wrong end, sacral mm. massage was amazing. Um, but with Dylan, so my final... Uh, birth um I remember thinking that Keep going, right. I remember thinking that um when the midwife gets here I know if she tells me I'm only one or two centimeters I know she has got drugs in that bag that I can have so I did feel that was really quite intense and um and I remember when I gave birth to him I can I swear yeah. <laughs> and I said Oh, fuck, I really am not ever doing that again. So <laughs> I think it still at that time, even though I had done it twice before, that memory and that feeling of being so overwhelmed with the, you know, the contractions is, you know, is something that you, I think you will never, ever experience before. So you before, did three, so. naturally no pain yeah. medication. No, no, I was going to say not no I pain, heard. but... <laughs> but there is some suggestion that that... So when we, when we perceive pain, when we process pain, we then are our endorphins kick in too don't they so that's our body's own pain relieving mechanism so yeah if we look, give that chance to take mm-hmm. um massage makes that you know it's good yeah. that's and thing, like it? it works like i know i say mm. this a lot too sorry i'm going back to my accident but when i fell i remember laying there and not like being in pain but just breathing because i knew i was really messed up and breathing and breathing and now in hindsight, when I look back, I was like, man, this body's amazing. Like whatever drugs it was mm. releasing to keep me awake yeah. and lucid. Like, like, And that's what we you. try to remind women that, yes, even though it is going to be, you know, um, you're going to be feeling pain, that there's actually all these other things happening in the background, like all the hormones that are happening to help you through that process. Whereas if you walk into a chair and stub your toe, that's a different kind of pain. You didn't have anything else you didn't have this, like, you know, hormone cocktail working in your favor. But you could if you stubbed your toe. If you started rubbing <laughs> that stubbed toe, yes. you then create some endorphin. Yes, true. You see. So that's, that's the same. We do use that analogy sometimes. Yes. So that's true. Yeah. 
as a mm. as a couple of take home message, what are the things that people that oh ladies need to gosh. know? Like what are, what's the main carries that people need to consider that they may not be thinking? You have a choice. You have choices. You have choices. Yeah. So you have choice on who your care provider is. Mm-hmm. So you can change your doctor last minute yep. if you wanted to. So if your care provider, your your doctor here specifically, is not, mm-hmm. you know, singing from the same hymn sheet as you, then you can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So evidence-based research. So there is a website called evidencebasedbirth.com, and she's done like statistical clinical research on pretty much everything. On pretty <laughs> much everything, like yep. using like water for your birth, um, using an epidural, uh, which labor position is statistically shown to be the best for X Y Z. So sh- her website's amazing. So we always say go and be educated, mm-hmm. be informed. What's the website again? Evidencebasedbirth.com, and she has a podcast as yes, well. Yes, great. She yeah. releases one almost every. Yeah week that talks about a different topic yeah so be educated i think surround yourself by mm-hmm. positive people it's mm-hmm. always good mm-hmm. um but just know have a have a really good understanding of 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 what you want to happen on the day and that's i think when we talk about birth plans birth preferences yeah now talk about birth preferences about ideally what how would you like things to go? So have a, a, a vision about mm-hmm. what, what you'd like to happen on the day. Yeah. And then saying that out loud and writing it down with your partner mm-hmm. gives you both an insight into how that could be achievable. And it, so how can we go about getting what we've got on the paper? Mm-hmm. I think is really important. Um, Looking at the, everyone focuses a lot on the birth and we have talked about the birth a lot, but something that we always ah. say to take home is, you know, that's one day for the rest of the, your yes. life, what have you thought about what's coming next? Like, have you thought mm-hmm. about what's it going to feel like to have this new thing in your house? And what about your relationship? You know, it was like this two-way street and now it's this, you know, triangle. And, mm. you know, thinking thinking about that, bathing, sleeping, feeding. Feeding. I mean, that's a whole mm. other subject. Well, do you know what I was, yes. as I was sitting here, I'm going to be yes. really honest, I was thinking, will you guys come back? Can we talk about that next? Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, well certainly the postnatal stuff is yeah. really, really important. I mean, that's I would really where my passion lies, absolutely. Yeah. And it's so important. And yeah. So you guys will come back to yeah, talk about that? I'll be yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. Also, and we're on to it next, we'll love a press for time. What the guys need to know. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can go yeah. through that as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to do yeah. a guy special. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I can drive, but. After that, yeah. <laughs> carry bags and boxes and yeah. stuff. Yeah. After that, yeah, I don't it's know. all about the tools. So we give the woman the yeah. tools, and we also make sure that the partner has the tools as well. Like, yeah. here's how you can support her. Here's how you can massage her. Here's how you can reassure her. Here's how you can step in. Here's how you can care for her and the baby you know and then it's like you know here's how you can sleep and she's going to do this and then she's going to sleep and then you're going to do this and it's it's yeah it's very much including everybody in that cool. process Perfect. yeah sounds good amazing thank oh, you guys so much you guys online or what's your little feather collective.com or little feather collective on instagram and you guys have a, a whole load of dollars that can go out and support people yes we do. We're a group of okay. six, six women yeah. and we do everything from sleep to um, loss, um, multiples, baby, baby massage, baby massage, yeah. breastfeeding, hypnobirthing, hypnobirthing, yeah, the yoga. Works. Yeah. So we have like between us just a mm-hmm. whole set of skills, and then we have different services and and yeah, get in touch. Yeah, awesome. amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Bye.